where nobody knows your name is recorded in front of nobody. Hello and welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. I'm John. And I'm James. What an episode today. We're talking about Dog Bites Cliff, Season 5, Episode 19. It aired on the 18th of February, 1987, directed by James Burroughs and written by Joanne Pagliero. Who is it? I think that's a new name. It is a new name. I really enjoyed this one. We've had a few farcical episodes. I think it probably leans to farce more than other ones. Yes, I'd say so. And uh, as we can tell by the title, Dog Bites Cliff, it means that uh, we're going to get a a bit of cliff in this episode. Bit of cliffy action. Yeah. So how do we start? What's the cold open? I said we're going to get lots of cliff. Cliff's not in the cold open. At least he has no lines. It's Diane's doing her nails. She's supposed to be working. Classic Diane. What what, what are you doing today, Diane? Work? No. Well, of course. Her excuse is that she needs to get her hands in pristine condition ahead of the wedding with Sam because everyone will be looking at her fingers when he puts the ring on it. And she's a bit, I'd say, a little bit harsh to Carla. I mean, Carla's always harsh to Diane, but she just says, sweet, pathetic Carla. Carla gets her own back, though. Yeah. There's some nice nails you have there. Would be a shame if someone pushed them into cotton buds. So Diane becomes old Diane cotton fingers. Yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not going to even build on that at all. That's a perfect description. And that's our call to open. As we go into the main part of this episode, we get a Cliff limping into Cheers. This isn't the first time we've seen Cliff limping. I think we've seen him limping before, but I think last time he just shook it off. But no, this time it's more serious. He gets asked sort of what's happened and he says, I don't want to talk about it, I don't want to talk about it. And then immediately wants to talk about it. I mean, it's not a surprise. Cliff likes to yap, doesn't he? Well, it's quite a classic story. I'd say it's an age-old story. Mailman gets bit by a dog. Taylor's all his time. It, it feels like this was going to happen at some point. You set up a main character as a postman and you, you took five seasons to get to this point where he's been bit by a dog. But he's quite nonchalant about it. He's trying to take it on the chin a little bit. And the people in the bar sort of say, Cliff, you should sue. Initially, I thought the episode was going to go to the point where Cliff was in the wrong, and that's why he wasn't going to sue. And I thought it was going to be... I mean, although we have, we've seen a few episodes like that with Cliff. Yeah. So it's probably good that didn't happen again. So he wants to sue, but it turns out that the owner of the dog, perhaps a lawsuit is not the first thing on Cliff's mind once he sees the owner. Yeah, but before we get there... A phone call comes in at Cheers, and Cliff presumes that the owner's tracked him down. He speaks through Woody vicariously, saying, Woody, tell her that it doesn't cut it with me. She can keep her deep six phony concern. Woody sort of relays this and then hangs up, and then it was revealed that it was Cliff's mum. Woody, why didn't you tell me it was my mother? I just did. No, I mean before. Well, I didn't know it was her till I picked up the phone. No, Woody... <laughs> When you were talking to her, why didn't you say it was her? She already knew that. Um, but yeah, as you say, Cliff takes up Fraser's offer, a friend who will take on his case pro bono, so that no charge at the beginning. And Cliff finds out that he could get back $200,000. That's a nice settlement. That's cushy. Yeah. It's what we say. You've mentioned the owner of the dog before, James. Do you want to continue that story? The owner of the dog, obviously she's received the lawsuit papers she has but she arrives at choose and it's an attractive woman of fiery hair and and the cliff is awestruck she's almost a caricature yes of a, of a pinup kind of almost like the jessica rabbit type yeah and cliff's wow he can no longer talk. Yeah. <laughs> he loses all, all ability to make sense. His brain turns to mush. 
you just know that he's in for a sort of a manipulative ride. Of course, the people in the bar are concerned because why would someone this attractive want to see Cliff in any romantic sense? And as I think Carla points out, why would any woman want to see Cliff in that sense? Yeah, it's quite a sad episode in that respect. But uh, in, in fairness to Cliff, uh, Norm has the same reaction where he he turns to Jelly as well. They're both blubbering and uh, Carla's between them and goes, great, now it's in stereo. <laughs> Even Sam's quite taken aback by this woman. Everyone is very confused about the situation. And the only reason why they would be together is because she's trying to get him to waver. Cliff is not that naive. He's playing a bit of a game himself. They sort of draw short straws at the, at the bar. Who's going to have a chat with Cliff? And Norm says, whoever has to say this to him, Cliff probably won't want to talk to them again. And then Carla goes, well, you should have said that. I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> um, and is straight up to volunteer and basically confronts Cliff and says, you're being a sap. And yeah, Cliff's response is uh, a little bit maybe seedy. A little, yeah. <laughs> not, not as seedy as seedy Sam, but it was... I don't like it when Cliff does seedy, sleazy things. Like when he was singing Misty and stroking Diane's arm. That was uncomfortable. You're an idiot. <laughs> Everybody in the bar thinks that babe is playing you for a fool. I mean, the second you drop your lawsuit, you're history. You are a sap. I know. But uh, I'm having the time of my life. You know, uh, how often am I a uh, sap with a beautiful woman? I mean, I usually am a sap with the Bowsers. Which is, uh, I guess, quite quite sad, really. Yes. The seediest thing, I think, in this exchange is when Cliff goes, I'll keep seeing her and people will keep staring at me and they'll keep being surprised I'm with her, but she'll grant me the ultimate favour. You didn't, you didn't need to be that honest about it, Cliff. <laughs> if anything, both parties are trying to manipulate each other at this point. In the next moment, Cliff goes over to the table to meet Madeline. She says, Cliff, I've been given this by my lawyers. It's a waiver form to say that you don't blame me for my dog biting you. I want you to rip it up. And this is done quite publicly in front of everyone. Everyone's kind of a bit surprised, but taken aback. Cliff is kind of over his shoulder, smiling to all of his friends, unbelievably happy, I think. At that moment, she does say, although I I was certainly still suspicious, I assume you were too. She did say, when I first started seeing you, it was merely a financial ploy. It's the classic rom-com scenario. Well, it's similar to Janet and Sam. They call them meet cute. That classic rom-com where a dog bites the mailman and then romance blemishes. Blemishes? Is that a word? It's like a spot, isn't it? Blemish? Blooms. Flourishes. <laughs> we went from like gin rashes to flowers. We got there in the end. Yeah, very Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan, isn't it? Yeah, at this point. And I think that's a nice point to leave it for now as we dip into the sort of B plot of this episode, which is quite a small one. Actually kicks off the episode is Diane's got a phone call that has confirmed that she's got a spot on a retreat that she's been dying to go on. Of course she does. Diane being Diane, it's not your average retreat. It's with uh, the Buddhist monastery for a couple of weeks. Yeah. She's like, oh, it'll be such a great time, Sam. And Sam's like, I'm not going, but you have fun. Well, that's that's not even it. Sam's actually quite up for it. And she goes, no, it's, it's just for me, Sam. I'm going alone. And it's quite a sort of, it shows probably one of the bigger cracks in their relationship to this point, where you see Diane's going somewhere to find herself. While they're engaged is... Yeah. It's unfortunate timing. Of course, Carla's annoyed with this. Why is she getting two weeks off to flount about in the mountains? Hey, 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 is Diane taking a day off again? No. Good. She's taking two weeks off. No, Sammy, that's not fair. Come on, she's always taking off for one stupid reason or another. Okay, 
can't we just kill her? <laughs> you just see Carla crazy. I fully understand Carla at this point. Yeah, it's annoying. Pure nepotism. I'll tell you what, if Carla went on strike, Cheers would suffer because Diane doesn't know what she's doing. She can memorise drinks, but in terms of getting the drinks to the people, nah, she's terrible at that. Maybe we'll find out one day if Carla ever does go on strike. But luckily for Sam, this episode, she doesn't. And that's almost all of the B-plot. It's a very small moment in this rom-com, Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan-esque rom-com. I say, what, should we run through the cast and not a large guest cast, but obviously Madeline? Madeline Keith, yes, as played by Anita Morris. She also appeared in Ruthless People, Miami Vice, Murder, She Wrote, Who's the Boss, Matlock, and many others. She was also the titular role in the music video for The Rolling Stones, She Was Hot. That's actually quite interesting. She was in the music video. Yes, and according to Mick Jagger, she was hot. (laughs) And according to Cliff. We have Steve Giannelli as Steve, and Al Rosen is uncredited as Al. Good old Al. You can't beat an episode that features Al. This is something that I thought was going to happen as well. Steve Ginelli, he has a, a very brief line in this episode where he goes up to Cliff and goes, what if this person you're assuming is like an elderly old woman? An elderly old woman. As opposed um, to those young old women. <laughs> but he, he kind of um, was on the side of, oh, maybe what if it's someone who's vulnerable and can't really afford it? And I thought it was going to go down the route that it was like Steve's mum or something. You thought Steve was going to get a supporting role in this story? Yeah, yeah, I thought it was going to sort of elevate him and be like a slight moral compass and Cliff was going to drop the lawsuit. But no, it took a very... Uh, <laughs> took a different turn. Took a very cliff-centric turn. I do like it when the bar flies outside of the main cast have a more prominent role in the story it gives you a sense of the world uh, i thought he was gonna sort of confide in sam and be like sam i don't know what to do cliff's suing my mom i thought that's where it's gonna go alas it never happened james when cliff does rip up madeline's waiver that would have released her from uh, the lawsuit they decide they want to celebrate screw dinner let's go to the ritz uh, room service at the ritz or ritz service at the room <laughs> well the uh, ritz is just around the corner what cliff I think that's a wonderful idea. Carla, would uh, you be a dear and uh, cancel dinner reservations for the uh, sap party? (laughs) We're we're going to have a rich service at the room. (laughs) I I meant rich service at the room. Can you believe I said rich service at the room? What I meant was uh, rich service at the room. So he's flummoxed. His mind is elsewhere. To quote him from earlier, he thinks he's going to get what he called the ultimate favour. Just for the listeners, James scrunched his face up in disgust. at Cliff's seediness and sort of, I don't know, it's it's kind of a weird thing, especially as we go into the next scene. It's weird hearing Cliff say it. If Sam was saying it to Cliff, you'd be like, well, it is sleazy, but I kind of expect it from Sam. Whereas with Cliff, it's just like, no, stop using these words. We cut to Cliff in this big double bed, alone in a hotel room. And in that moment, he decides he should call Sam for advice. <laughs> and there's some quite good quotes in there where he goes to Sam, Sam, can I make a small confession? And Sam says, sure. And he goes, I'm scared. <laughs> and Sam replies, if it's any consolation, I've seen her and I'm scared for you. <laughs> I think that kind of sets up this scene quite nicely of how timid Cliff kind of is in the scene and flummoxed. Exactly. And, you know, they're having this chat on the phone and, you know, Sam's giving kind of vague advice, you know, just kind of relax. And then Madeline walks in in negligee. Is that the correct word? Yeah. She's dressed to seduce us. <laughs> 
as she walks in, Cliff is staring at her and drops the phone. Yeah, which again, I thought that Sam wasn't going to hang up on his end. I thought it was going to be a bit. So I think that was good Sam did that. <laughs> he, did, he did laugh as he hung up though, just going, Cliffy, poor, pathetic Cliff. There's quite a good joke in this as well, where she sits on the other end of the bed and says, scooch over Cliff, and Cliff scooches further away. <laughs> Yeah, what plays out is sort of a very seductory sequence where Madeline is pretty much playing Cliff and he's uh, like putty in her hands. What a metaphor. Yeah. Cliff is very nervous, understandably, for a lot of reasons. And he was like, can you believe that friends thought you only wanted me because of this lawsuit thing? And she was like, I want none of this talk. If it's going to be on our minds, then, you know, we need to just remove it from our thoughts completely. And she she almost coerces him into sort of saying, oh, if, if only we had that waiver form. And then she goes, well, I've got one now. From there, she picks the waiver form outside of a drawer. Cliff goes, oh, do you have a pen? And she picks a pen out of her bra. Yeah. So she was prepared for this, John. She was prepared. Played like a fiddle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Afterwards, Cliff sort of stammers the words, what now? And she says, just lie back, close your eyes, and I'll check my phone messages. She knows how to romance. (laughs) (laughs) She checks her phone messages, and now we don't hear what she says, but we hear what Cliff says, she says. Whether they're the same story or not, we'll never know, James. The excuse Cliff gives the bar is that her husband has returned. From thought to presumed dead, lost in combat, has returned to the United States. Which, you know, is nice for her. Also also a lie. <laughs> <laughs> poor, poor Cliff. It's probably a lie, but she, I'd say she let him down gently in that she never at any point did she criticise Cliff as a person or his appearance. You know, she likely lied and said, oh, my husband's home, this isn't going to work. But she never did anything to uh, demote his confidence, which I thought is of some solace. That's true, I guess. Bit of a sad episode, really, when you analyse it. We end with Cliff almost reminiscing and and looking slightly wistfully as he compares his, I was going to call it a sort of a... Affaire de coeur? Tragic romance. Mm. Uh, And he compares it to Romeo and Juliet, Rhett and Scarlet, and Heathcliff and Caffey, to which Woody questions that there are three people in that, Heathcliff and Caffey. And that's how the episode ends. Yeah. It's definitely a stranger one, but it's nice to see Cliff have a bit of a more of a main role. It definitely fits into the more stereotypical rom-com. Well, whenever Cheers goes to a hotel, there's going to be farce. That's what I've pinpointed. Hotels? Do you mean farce mansions? <laughs> as the door, which means it's trivia time. One of our favourite times here. Bagger questions. Bagger questions. <laughs> the new game show on Channel 4. <laughs> My first question. Diane is going to this Buddhist retreat, but what is this Buddhist retreat called? It's called The Glade. I don't know much else about it, really. It was a very mysterious element. I feel like she's going to come back with superpowers. <laughs> <laughs> That's my uh, my prediction. I've got a question for you, James. In this episode about suing people, who else considers that they might have a case to sue? That's a good question. I want to say Carla. It's Woody. He says, I could sue someone about my broken thumb. I mean, after all, I did slip on the ice. And then Sam says, oh, where did it happen? He says, right outside the bar. And Sam goes, no, no case there. Don't do that. (laughs) According to Cliff, what percent of canine attack cases decide in favour of the postman? It was above 90, wasn't it, what he said? I feel like he said 97 or 95. It was 97. (sighs) I just stole muggins. 
In this episode, James, we see the gang watching some wrestling on TV. But which wrestlers are in the match? It's Hulk Hogan and Jake the Snake. Yeah. The match is from 29th of January, 1987. It was the second match of six, and the third aired later the night this episode of Cheers aired. Now, John and I, we don't know much about wrestling, but one of our fellow bar staff co-hosts, Troy, hosts his own wrestling podcast called Untitled Wrestling Podcast. It's a great time for you wrestling fans. Yeah, so if you're interested and you, you want to hear... I can't promise Jake the Snake and Hulk Hogan will be there. They probably won't be talking about these wrestlers. But if you, if you want the latest on wrestling, check them out. That's last call. Oh, what an episode. I think it'd be hard to pick a drink for this one. It will be hard to pick a drink. I think what we can say, though, is very rom-com, very Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan, a bit of Richard Curtis, maybe. I don't feel like I can celebrate after this episode. A sad drink. <laughs> I'm going to just rename another drink. So I'm proposing we have snake bites, but we call them dog bites. <laughs> That's a shot, isn't it? Yeah, which is hard cider and Guinness. Four. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to good to me. I'm thinking we can christen it as a dog bite. I think so. And this and other recipes will be available on Patreon for our subscribers. Yeah. So if you've ever been bit by a dog and uh, <laughs> you you want to wall away your sorrows as you let go of a waiver in a lawsuit. Sign up to our Patreon. That was a good promotion. I think you did well there. I mean, yeah, it's not exclusive to male men who's been suspected dog bites, but... That's the core of it, though. Reflecting on it, I'm not sure if there's a metaphor in the title, James. Dog bites Cliff. Cliff got physically bitten by a dog, but he also sort of got metaphorically bitten. By a woman. Like, scolded, you know. Ah, yes. Wronged. That's a sad world for a lonely mailman. Also... Dog bites are in play in a metaphor about drinking as well, which you're probably aware of. No. The hair of the dog that bit you, you've heard this phrase? Oh. Whereas when you're hungover and you have more of the drink that you had the night before, hair of the dog. There we go. So after we've finished our uh, dog bites of Guinness and hard cider, we'll have another one and another one and another one. Yeah, no, I think it was a fun episode all around. I think Joanne Pagliero did a great job. Yeah, and uh, of course, as always, James Burroughs did a great job as well. And I think we'll close there, James. Thank you for listening to Where Nobody Knows Your Name. This has been a Cheers podcast. Mm-hmm.